Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. So this morning, I want to talk to you about Daniel. Um, the Lord laid Daniel on my heart because, um, I don't know, a lot of the time I pray at the end of services, like, oh, bless us. And one of the key things that I always bless us in is in our workplaces. And I feel like the Lord is telling, he spoke to me and he said that we want to see souls saved for the Lord, but we have to start in our workplaces. We have to start in the communities that we live in. We have to start with the people that are directly around us. And I feel this morning I'm going to dispel a few lies, a few myths that have been spoken over you and, and tell you this morning that where you are, exactly where you are, is significant. And you, you have the power to change the situations of those people around you. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from Daniel. We're going to motor through today. I'm afraid I have a lot of um, a ground to cover because the first six chapters of Daniel are really, really insightful when it comes to um, being, being righteous and how your righteousness and how your right living and your right standing with God can affect the people around you and bring about the kingdom of God to those around you. So I'm going to touch on a little bit of each of the first six chapters, not one of them, but five of the first six chapters of Daniel, and just give a few illustrations of how Daniel was used um, to glorify the Lord where he worked and in what he did. So I'm just going to pray, and then I'm going to read. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time this morning. Lord God, I thank you for this people that have come this morning faithfully because they want to hear from you. So Lord God, I pray that as we come, our hunger would be met and that you would speak directly words of wisdom and words of insight to our souls, Lord. I pray too, Lord, that you would speak to me as I, as I preach, Lord, and that your Holy Spirit would just guide me through the words that I say. And Lord, through all things, your name would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, so I don't know if anybody knows the story of Daniel. I think most people know the story of when he's in the lion's den. It's such a common story when you're at Sunday school. It's one of the first things you learn, and it's an amazing story of God's faithfulness. And we're going to come on to that, but we're going to start in uh, Daniel chapter 1. So let, let me read this. Let me uh, get my technology working. So let's read from starting in... Um, yeah, let's start. We'll just start in verse 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. If everyone wants to get their Bibles out, um, if you don't have a Bible, then uh, I, I reckon you should go and buy a Bible this week. Um, I mean, these things are great, but they always go wrong for me. So I, I'm, I'm speaking to myself here. Next week, Josh, bring a Bible. And I just encourage you, if you don't own a Bible, go and buy a Bible. And don't come to church without a Bible. Because how are you going to feed on the Word of God if you don't have it in front of you? And I'm, I'm, I'm being cheeky here because a lot of the times I don't actually have the scriptures up. I just have the reference. So you actually have to look it up. Um, so, uh, yeah. Here we go. Daniel 1, chapter 1, verse 1. During the third year of King Satan reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him a victory over King, whatever his name is, of Judah, and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Asaphenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who'd been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in Every branch of learning are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. 
The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belthazar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego, which is fairly funny. Um, He got the short straw. Uh, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of the Lord the king, who has ordered that you must eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. So Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in the light of what you see. The attendant agreed to what Daniel's suggestion was and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned to them by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for every understanding and aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the, staff, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And uh, it just goes on to talk about the favor. And he found them 10 times more capable than any other than magicians and enchanters in the entire kingdom. And uh, Daniel stayed with the king. Amen. So you're probably thinking, what on earth is that about? Um, so this is a really interesting story to me because what it says is that when you choose to do the right thing beyond what you think, what, what, what the world is telling you, the Lord is going to bless your hand and he's going to bless what's in it. It's really, really fascinating to me. So Daniel, <laughs> before Daniel actually went into that lion's den, he had to do something first. He had to, he had to, um, he had to build the resolve to face lions by facing the king first, you know? And, 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 and King Nebuchadnezzar was a horrible man. I mean, some, some, commentators, some commentators describe him as a Hitler of the day. Like he would literally have people beheaded if he fancied it. You know, he was a horrible, horrible man. And so Daniel... Daniel, as, as I said, this is set in modern-day Iraq, in Babylon, and the Jews were in exile. They've been, as, as, as the scripture said, they've been taken over by the, Babylon, the Babylonians. And what happened was Daniel and all of his friends were, um, they were very clever, very bright, and Nebuchadnezzar's idea was to take some of these people of Judah and almost brainwash them, was to, was to kind of um, put his propaganda on them so that the, when he sent them out again, they, w- they would take the, the kind of ethos and the culture of the Babylons across to wherever they went, which meant that um, they wouldn't have any trouble from the Jews because he would use Daniel and his friends to, to kind of speak all the good stuff that the Babylonians were doing and what Nebuchadnezzar wanted his agenda to be. Um, so Daniel was seen as the cream of the crop. Um, and and it, it's very interesting that it talks about how Daniel had his name changed so Daniel's name throughout, that whole, throughout the whole of Daniel pretty much isn't actually Daniel. He has his name changed. The name that was given to him was some kind of like a cultish, godish kind of religious name. It wasn't, it wasn't Jewish at all. It wasn't great. But what's interesting is that Daniel accepts that. You know, he's happy to be in the world, but not of the world. 
You know, he's happy to have his name changed and to, to, to fit into the culture. But what he, then the next verse is that actually, I'm not going to eat your food because that's not kosher. And the Lord tells me, I'm not, I'm not supposed to eat that. So whilst he's happy to sit in, he's, he's happy to be part of the culture, he's not going to kick up a fuss. But when he knows that when something is not right by what the Lord has told him, he's going to stand up for himself. And do you know how much bravery that must have taken to, to stand up for himself in this kingdom where this king could have easily had him beheaded just for speaking up? Do you know how crazy that is? It's, it's, it, to me, it's just, it's just bonkers. But as I said, Daniel knew what the world calls us doesn't change who we are. You know, he may have got a new name, but that didn't change who he was in Christ, or who he was in God even, and uh, what he knew was right by the Lord. So some people may be calling you all sorts of names, but it doesn't change who you are in God. You know, there's, there's probably people around you that are calling you useless. There's people around you that are calling you hopeless. There's people around you that are calling you a waste of space. There's people around you that are calling you failure. But actually, the Lord says, doesn't matter what people call you, you're still my child and you're still a child of God. Amen? That wasn't what I was going to preach about, but there you go. So Daniel wanted to observe the Jewish law. It was very important to him. So as I said, he, he stood up for himself. He went to the chief of staff and said, look, how about I try eating my food? And if we're healthier than, than your guys then uh, maybe we can all eat this because it might be better. You, know, you never know. And, and so he goes, he goes to the chief of staff and says this. And it's very interesting because the king was giving them like pretty much his finest food. He was giving him his own food. He was giving them red meat and wine. You know, the, the point was that he was trying to fatten them up because at the time, people, uh, obesity meant prosperity. So, so he was trying to fatten those, 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 uh, those young guys up um, because he wanted for them to look important. He wanted them but. Ultimately, it wasn't what he was meant to be eating. So, you know, he ate, he ate the kosher diet of vegetables. And what's fascinating is that they looked healthier than any of the other people. They studied better than any of the other people, and they knew more than any of the other people in their, in their kind of school. So it just shows that if you choose to do the right thing, the Lord is going to bless your hand supernaturally beyond what, what the world may think is possible. Because I'm sure that wasn't just vegetables talking. That was the hand of God upon their lives because he was honoring what Daniel had done and the step that he'd made and the stance that he had made, the line that he had drawn in the sand and said, look, do you know what? I know what's right. I'm going to stick to this because the Lord tells me this. And, and what's very interesting is that all through that chapter, it talks about Daniel having favor and Daniel having favor and right standing and that he was someone that was loved, that he had, he had, he had real favor with all of the people around him, even the Babylonians, which is really interesting. So you'd have thought that because Daniel was one of those kind of people that would stick up for himself and go, oh, I don't like that, that he, they would hate him. You'd have thought that, wouldn't you? You'd have thought, oh, not that Daniel again. Like seriously, that guy, he's so annoying. He's always sticking up. He's always, he's always telling us that we're wrong, or he's always telling us that he can't do something. But actually, it's very interesting because they said that he has favor. He has favor with the rulers above him. So I, I was thinking about this, and I was actually thinking, sometimes we're in our work situations, we're in the world, and we're afraid to speak up for what we think is right because we think the world is going to reject us. But actually, maybe we've got that wrong. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the world is looking for Christians that act like Christians. Maybe the world is looking for Christians that stand by what they know is right and that aren't just going to fall into the ground every time something comes across them. <laughs> I think I'm speaking to somebody this morning. I just, I, just, I just really feel that the time has come where we need to stand up for what we believe. 
How easy is it for us just to kind of like, I mean, I'm sure there's people here that go to work and people in your office don't even know you're a Christian. I just feel like there's somebody here this morning that you go to work every week and people don't even know you're saved. And I, 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 I don't know who you are, but I challenge you this morning and I say, maybe if you lived out your faith, you would see that culture, that atmosphere changed. <clears throat> you know, maybe the, the act of Daniel standing his ground there gave him the resolve later to face lions. You know, when you choose to stand up for yourself in the small things, it's much easier to stand up for yourself in the big things later down the line. So I'm going to quickly, we're going to motor on. Just, just bear that in mind, everything that I've just said. Um, we're going to go quickly. We're going to very, very quickly look at chapter 2. So chapter 1 ends by uh, the Bible saying how Daniel uh, had received the gift from God to interpret dreams, uh, which is very interesting. And then straight away in chapter 2, Daniel has to put his, his, his uh, gifting to, to work. I'm not going to focus on what the dream actually is because I... That's not kind of the point I want to make. Um, But basically what happens is Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and it's troubling him. And so he gets all of the astrologers, all the magicians, all the enchanters in the kingdom to come and help him work out what this dream means, because he doesn't understand it. Um, And basically none of them know what it is. And so he beheads them all, and he kills them, um, because that's the kind of king that he is. Um, And so so what happens is Daniel hears about this, and uh, it says at once, Daniel went to see the king and uh, requested that he would be able to tell the king what the dream meant. It's very interesting, actually, that Daniel approached the king. The king didn't approach Daniel. So Daniel stood up for himself. He's like, you know what, I, can do, I know what this dream's about. And it's, it talks about how the Lord explained the dream to, Dan, to Daniel. And not only does Daniel know what the dream means, but he also is able to recount the whole dream to Nebuchadnezzar so that Nebuchadnezzar knows that the dream is, that, that Daniel's interpretation is legit. And so Daniel interprets the whole dream. And um, <clears throat> uh, it says, uh, so Daniel says to him, don't kill the wise men, take me to see the king and I will explain the meaning of the dream. Um, and Nebuch- uh, the king says to Daniel, is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and what you saw as you lay on your bed. And, and he goes on and he describes the whole dream. That was the dream. Now we will tell what the dream means. So after he's explained what the dream was, he then explains what it means. And he goes on and on and on. And Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And what, what's that about? He said, King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer burnt sacrifices and sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of gods. The Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. Wow! Isn't that amazing? So, 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 so chapter 1. Daniel stands up for himself. The Lord rewards Daniel by giving him the gift to interpret dreams. Chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Daniel goes, hang on, I know how to deal with this. He stands up, he goes and sees the king. 
King Nebuchadnezzar, this is your dream. He gets it spot on. And then Nebuchadnezzar falls down before Daniel and says, your God is the God who is above all other gods. He is the God Almighty. He is the God who reigns. How amazing is it that an egotistical, uh, violent maniac like Nebuchadnezzar, in an instant, could have his mind changed because of one thing, because of the obedience of Daniel. And I challenge you this morning, maybe there's people in your workplaces, maybe there's people in your neighborhoods, in your communities that are just waiting for you to speak something in faith into their lives. And when you do that, when you speak prophetically, when you speak um, with with wisdom and with insight from the Lord, they're going to fall down at the feet of Jesus, because they're just waiting for that one encounter. And I just find that incredible that Daniel had the courage to stand up and do that. It's just, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And do you know what's really interesting is that not only did Daniel receive even more favor from Nebuchadnezzar, but because of the favor that he received, he managed to pass it on to his friends, which is also very interesting. And I think sometimes when you stand up for yourself, like if 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 you're a Christian and, you, and you, uh, you work somewhere, and you manage to find favor with the people that you work with, it also enables other Christians to be free in their, in their faith, and it, and, it, and, it, and it changes an atmosphere which releases supernatural favor to all those who believe. I really believe that's the case. And actually, when we release favor across our town, it, 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 um, it enables the, the body of Christ to grow and be stronger, because the oppression that was on the area that you're in has now lifted. And, 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 and I just feel like there's... There's something in that, that, that not only did Daniel receive blessing and favor, but so did his friends. Um, so I, I, just, I just find that really interesting. So, and what's interesting is that chapter two now follows into chapter three. So chapter three ends, Daniel's friends have now also received favor. Chapter three starts um, with the, we, we know this story very well about the fiery furnace. So let, let, let's just quickly read that. I don't know if we have that um, on the screen in chapter 3. Ah, here we go. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so the three of Daniel's friends, um, said to the king. So basically what happened is the king had erected this, this giant golden statue that people were to worship, and it was basically a statue of him, which is kind of, kind of crazy. So they, um, they, 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 they say to him, they say to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, which is what... He, they, he was going to do because they wouldn't bow down to the statue. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. How ballsy is that? <laughs> it's actually saying, you know, we know you're an evil dictator. We know you're violent, but we don't care. We're still not going to worship you. And the Lord, they, they say in faith, the Lord is going to deliver us from it. He's going to deliver us from those flames. How crazy is that? So, so what happens? Um, have we got the next bit? So Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered them, so, so it changed. So they had favor in an instant. They, they lost the favor, maybe. And the, he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, I, I, yeah, there was a bit more at the end of that, but it's gone now, um, and were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. So, so he threw them in. Have we got the next bit? Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to God, 
of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be cut into pieces and their house be turned into piles of rubble, for no god can save them in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the province of Babylon. How awesome is that? So the Lord comes and saves them, and then in an instant, yet again, King Nebuchadnezzar is like, wow, there's something going on here that I don't understand. But actually, when you stand up for what you know is right, there's something infectious about that. There's something beautiful about that. There's something actually really powerful about when you say, I don't really care what you say. I know my God is my God, and I know who he is, who he says he is. So the Lord delivers them. And actually, what's interesting is that Nebuchadnezzar sees a fourth person in those flames who he describes as a son of God. So actually, when you're in the middle of your deepest, darkest moment, when you choose to stand up for what you know is right. Jesus is there in the midst of those flames. He is there holding your hand. He is there protecting you. He says, you're not alone. You're not alone. I'm not leaving you to be burnt in the flames. I'm coming there with you, Jesus says. And I just find it really interesting that when you stand up for yourself and you take a stand for the Lord, that he will, he will come good. He will come good. He will come good. And actually, the people who were once oppressing you, the people that were persecuting you, will fall down before the feet of Jesus and worship him because they've seen something that they can't find in the world. They've seen something that they can't find in money or in power. They've seen something they can't find in lust or in alcohol or in drugs or in, or in their marriage or even in their friendships. They've found something that they can't find anywhere else. Oh. I find it very interesting, actually, that Daniel isn't there in the flames. I, I always wondered maybe Daniel went on a holiday or something. Maybe, maybe, maybe Daniel had a week in Tenerife or something, and um, he was away when this all kicked off. Or, may, or maybe the favor of God was such on his life that um, he protected him. You know, I, I don't know. I can't, I'm only speculating. I mean, I feel like Tenerife is probably a bit of a long shot, but... <laughs> so again, Nebuchadnezzar... As I said earlier, who is, who is described by commentators as a, a Hitler of the day, is yet again falling down before the feet of God. At this point, he probably doesn't understand him. He doesn't have a relationship with him. But it, what he does is he fears him. He fears the Lord, is what Helena was talking about last week. So um, chapter 4, I'm motoring through here. I'm really sorry if um, people can't catch up. So in chapter 4... Very, very quickly, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. The backstory behind chapter four um, is that Nebuchadnezzar married this beautiful Persian wife, and this Persian wife was feeling very homesick because uh, Babylon wasn't a very pretty country. There was no trees, there was no mountains, and she missed the trees and mountains from Persia where she'd come from. So what happened was Nebuchadnezzar went and built this huge tower of like stone and put trees on it, and, and actually today, that place is called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And that was made because Nebuchadnezzar um, had a wife who uh, he was worried that might leave him because she was, I think Nebuchadnezzar was probably punching um, and that he didn't want to lose his wife. Um, yeah, okay, that went over half your heads. But um, I only know this because I'm punching myself. So I, I, kind of, I kind of feel for Nebuchadnezzar, you know. So he, he built this amazing gardens. He built this amazing stone thing. And then he had a dream about it and that there was a... And that, um, and, and yet again, basically, 
um, Daniel comes, he calls Daniel this time. This time he, because of the favor that Daniel has with Nebuchadnezzar, this time Nebuchadnezzar goes to Daniel and says, look, I've had this, I've had this dream about the, the gardens and the trees and everything else. And uh, Daniel, Daniel explains this dream to him. And basically what, what Daniel says is that you're going to go mad, Nebuchadnezzar, for seven years. You're going to go totally bonkers, balmy, bananas, and... Uh, Exactly as Daniel says, after a year, Nebuchadnezzar goes mad, and he's mad for seven years. It talks about him eating grass and horns growing out of his head or something crazy. He basically turns into a goat. Nebuchadnezzar turns into a goat for seven years, and like he gets kind of thrown out, and he lives, he lives like miles away. The whole kingdom is like, like kind of scared of him. He, he goes totally bonkers. And then after seven years, as Daniel says he would, he wakes up from his like craziness and starts to proclaim the Lord our God. He proclaims the Lord our God. And what happens is the Lord restores Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom to him even greater than it was before. And, and Nebuchadnezzar starts to proclaim who God is. And, he, and, and, and more than before, just, just kind of being in fear of him, he actually knows him. And what happens is he tells the whole kingdom that they must worship Daniel's God, that they must worship the Lord our God who is above all other gods. And what, what, what I'm saying this for is actually it took Daniel quite a long time to get to that point where he saw his, his employer basically saved. It took him some time. It took persistence. It took building up that faith. It took building up that relationship with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, so that one day after all these years, probably decades, Nebuchadnezzar turned to the Lord our God and said, you are the God I serve. You are the Lord Almighty. I don't need all these idols. I don't need anything else because I've been awakened and that there is a God above all of these other things and everybody in my kingdom must worship him. Amen? Somebody get excited. <laughs> you know, I think persistence is key here. Because sometimes we want to win souls overnight, but as we all know, and as um, as Helena knows, sometimes you have to really get to friend. You have to become friends with people. You have to gain their trust. If you start to force your opinion down their throat, they're just going to run in the other direction. As many of you will know, especially those who are so far away. And I want to I want to share a quick story with you, um, kind of on this, because the Lord has really laid this on my heart. So there's 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 two groups of people in our community who I'm not going to say who they are. But for the last four months, I've been praying for their souls every single day. These people in their, their two businesses, quite, quite established businesses in the community. And there's these guys who I'm friends with in both of these places. And I've been praying for their souls every single day. I've not been going and ramming my religion down their throats, but I've just been quietly praying for them and living out who I am. And I was kind of getting a little bit frustrated. And anyway, I, I, was, I was praying and I was fasting on Saturday and then... I went in on Monday to one of these businesses and I, did, did, I was doing some work for them. And then at the end of this, at the end of the day, one of these two guys, this young guy, he's probably about 25. Um, he doesn't know the Lord, or so I thought. And he goes to me, Josh, how's church going? And I go, yeah, it's going great. He goes, you know, I believe that there's a God. And I, I, I want to know, like, I want to I wanna know, like, what, what's it about? Like, what's church like? What do you, what do you talk about? He said, I'm going to come to church because I, I know there's something I just don't understand what it is yet. And this guy, like, he's like um, so far away you'd think that this was totally unachievable. But then I read this story about Nebuchadnezzar who was beheading people and was killing people. And I'm like, actually, the Lord our God, his, his arm is not too strong to save. You know, he, he's, he is, he is, he's able to save anyone. He's able to pull anyone back into the kingdom. So I just encourage you that actually... It may take some time, but persistence is key. 
that holiness is key. The point about Daniel was that he, he was righteous, that he, he stuck up for what he knew was right, and he just acted. When the Lord said go, he's, he, he went. When the Lord told him to do something, he did it. You know, we have to build relationships with the world. We can't segregate ourselves. You know, you see churches that live in these little communities and they turn up on Sunday in their gated churches. They don't let anybody in. You know, you're not allowed to know what goes on in there. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, like how is the world meant to get in there? How, how are you meant to win souls for the lost if the lost can't even get in? You know, and I think sometimes even we're guilty of that. You know, in our, in, in our, in our, in our houses, in our churches, actually, that the lost are coming, they're banging on the door, but are we actually letting them in? Do, do we actually want to tell them about how we feel? You know, like I said, like, the world is, is just crying out for Christians who are prepared to, to do what they believe and not just kind of roll over every time that somebody says something that they don't agree with. You know, I think sometimes we're scared of what the world's going to do to us. But I tell you, in this country, we have it easy. I spoke about this two weeks ago in the evening that actually there is a whole world where people, where Christians are being persecuted for what they believe, where they're being beaten and they're being thrown into prison, where their families are being murdered because of what they believe. I tell you, we have it so easy in this country. We have it so easy. And I'm not telling you this to make you feel bad. I'm telling you it to fire you up because actually, then people, you're not going to get killed because you believe in Jesus. You're not going to get killed. And it's such a privilege to be able to come here, and it's a privilege to be able to live in a country where we can freely go and tell people about the Lord that we serve. Daniel didn't have it that easy. He lived under a, a tyrant dictator. But anyway, Nebuchadnezzar gets saved, and, and I find that incredible. So final chapter, chapter 6. Chapter 6, um, Daniel is under a different king. This is many, many years later. Daniel is about 90 in chapter 6. And um, he's under a different king who the Bible talks about. He also has favor with Dan Daniel. Daniel also has favor with this new king. This new king is called Darius. Daniel has been kind of like extradited again. He's been sent off to another part of the, of the kingdom. And um, he's now serving in the court of King Darius. And Daniel, as I said, is righteous. He, he lives right. He he lives out what he knows to be true. And what happens is the other people in the, in the palace where Daniel's serving don't like that. They don't like the fact that Daniel is, is better than them or that he seems better than them. And they get jealous of him because he has so much favor and he always seems to be doing the right thing. You know, sometimes the world is going to reject you when you choose to do the right thing, but it, it shouldn't stop you doing it. And you know what happens? Everybody knows this story. The, the people go to the king and they try to make a plan to, to trick Daniel and to, to, to trick him and to trick the king and to get Daniel killed because they don't like him. They're trying to stifle the good that he's trying to do. They're trying to stamp on it because they don't like it. Because the enemy always has an agenda, you know, church. He's always going to try and stamp out every good thing that you do and you've got to be on guard. And so what happened was um, they, they tricked the king. And they, they, they said that no one should worship anyone but you, King Darius, because actually in the kingdom where they were then, the king of that time was Darius himself. They worshipped him. He was a god king. They worshipped him. They worshipped the king himself. So they went to Darius and said, you should make a rule that nobody should worship any king but yourself. No god, nothing but you. And uh, basically what happened is the king's like, yeah, that's, that's great. I, I like that. And uh, Daniel hears about this. And it talks about, he, he finds out about this new decree, but he prays anyway. 
He still does what he knows is right. And it sounds to me like he actually increases it because he says he chooses to pray three times a day. He would go and he would pray and, uh, he, and he, he did it like people could see him. He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't like hiding his light under a bushel, but he kept praying and kept praying because he wasn't fearful of what he knew was the right thing to do. And so the, these evil guys, their, their plan works and uh, they report Daniel and Daniel gets thrown into this den of lions and we know this story. But what, what I find really interesting, let me just get this up, is the, um, is the king's reaction to this. Hmm. So, 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 the, um, so they told the king, Daniel, the captive of Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. Um, he spent the rest of his day trying to, looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went to the king and said, you know that uh, no law can be changed. So the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And the king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. And this is what I'm trying to tell you this morning, that somebody, somebody in your workplace, somebody in your community, someone in your friendship group may be looking a totally different direction but they still know deep down that there's something in what you do. You know, there's because what we do, church, the, the fact that we have so much faith in something unseen doesn't make sense to the world. But even the world understands that there must be something in it. You know, even the king goes, well, let's just hope your God that you serve, he, you serve him so faithfully, let's just hope he does something. He even knows that there's something, there's something in the God that Daniel serves. And because he has so much favor uh, with Daniel, you know, he's really upset. And there's a photo um, that I want to show you. Um, what's interesting about this is, is that uh, the king, so after, after Daniel was in the lion's den, the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. Um, he refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel and had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. Uh, the lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Wow, brutal. Um, the King Darius then sent this message to the people of every race and nation and every language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. And here's the key bit, right? For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So what's interesting here is that Darius 
sees this, this, this right standing, this, this stand that Daniel made before him. And actually in that, he is completely set free. And he now proclaims the, that the Lord our God is his God. And you see a pattern that's evolving, that wherever Daniel goes with his right standing, whenever Daniel does the right thing, these kings and rulers are falling down before the Lord. How amazing is that? And what's interesting is that Darius was actually, like I said, in his kingdom, the people worshipped him. So for him to now say, actually, I'm not, don't worry about worshipping me. Daniel's God is way above all that. He is the God that saves. He is the God that does miracles. Because Darius realises that, 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 that he can't do any of these things, that he's no God, but the Lord our God, Daniel's God, who is faithful to save, his kingdom will never be destroyed. And his rule will never end. You see, church, the enemy is going to try and come against you and he's going to say things and he's going to accuse you of stuff. But if you choose to take the right path and if you choose to, to stand up for what you know what is right, his kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. In fact, his kingdom goes from glory to glory. It's always advancing. I just, I just, I just find that fascinating. You know, that's, there's, there's people around you, right, that are worshipping all sorts of things. There's people around you that are worshipping power. There's people around you that are worshipping money. But one encounter from the Lord our God can transform that. And all that stuff falls into the sea because it's totally irrelevant now. Because they, they discover something which gives them everything that they couldn't find in the world. Hmm. So, so here, here's, my, here's my key point. Is that Daniel worked in a secular job. You know, he served two idolatrous kings but he still had a full-time ministry. And there's people here today that feel, because they work in the world, because they work in a job, maybe you work, maybe you work um, in a shop, maybe you work in um, a hotel, maybe you work in a bank, maybe you work in a school, and you feel like you're doing a secular job. Maybe, you're, maybe you are serving. The Bible talks about being able to serve faithfully. You know, it, it talks about we can still be slave, we can still serve our masters but we can still love out Jesus through that. You know, we're still a servant of the living God. So what I want to tell you this morning is like Daniel, you may be doing something which you might not feel is direct ministry, but I tell you, your ministry is just as important as mine is, as Julian's is, as any preacher you see on television. Because you know what? When you're living in the world and working in the world, you're on the front line of ministry. You're on the front line because you have the greatest opportunity to see souls saved for the kingdom of God. And there's some people here today that feel unqualified. There's people here that are in jobs. They're like, I can't win any souls for Jesus. I can't see Jesus transform that. And he's just challenging you this morning to stand up for what you know is right. And he's saying, I'll take care of the rest. If you just do what Daniel did and stand up for what you know is right and do and live out righteous living, be, be righteous for me. If you roar righteousness to those around you like, the, like, like Daniel did in that den, then I will take care of the rest. But I, I, just, I just want you to know that just because you're not in ministry doesn't mean you're disqualified. That actually you have more opportunity to see people saved. You have more opportunity to see souls won for the lost than I do. I sit in an office all day, most of the time. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when you're out there in schools, when you're out there in businesses, when you're out there in the coffee shops in the world, when you're meeting your friends, you know, you have such an opportunity to see your situations transformed. If only we would take them. I'm... I'm I know I'm, I'm, I'm hitting people where it hurts this morning and it might not be comfortable. But actually, when we, when we choose to do what we know is right, when we choose to live righteously, when we choose to be holy, the world takes notice. It really does take note. And I just have a couple of stories to finish on. Um, so many of you know um, 
that last year and the year before, I spent some time working in a bar over town called HQ Sports Bar. And there was, a, there was one or two Christians and people that came to me at the time and were like, are you sure this is a wise move? I even remember a conversation just coming to my mind now is that, you know, maybe you, they, they actually told me that um, maybe my ministry wasn't there. Maybe my, my ministry, I have such a gift for music. Maybe, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't waste your time there. You should focus on that because it's your ministry to the Lord. And I, I, actually, that makes me sad now. It's rubbish. And I, I can remember that conversation in my head right now because actually... I remember conversations with people in that bar where I worked, and they used to say to me, Josh, you're different. You don't, you don't go around swearing all the time. You don't go around doing these things that everyone else does. And, and actually, I like to think that even a small bit, the atmosphere of that bar changed because I went in and I, I spoke the, the message of Jesus to them. And there's people from that bar that have come to our events, that have come to our things, and maybe they're just slightly on the way in their journey. But I like to feel that I've planted some seeds that one day the Lord is going to germinate and he's going to grow in their lives. But I tell you this morning that sometimes the Christians around you will even stomp on what you think is right. They'll stomp on you. But you just need to stand up and say, I know what I'm there for. And I'm going to be an influence wherever I am. Whether you're, whether you're, whether you're driving a dustbin lorry, whether you're working in a school, whether you're working in a bank, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus and I'm going to live out my life according to the word and according to, to what I know is right by the Lord. And he will transform those situations. I really believe it. I, oh, I really believe it. And just, just to finish, um, I just, this is the whole story that got this thing started for me, and it, it, um, it really moved me, and I hope, I hope I managed to communicate this okay. So um, I, I showed you um, last week or the week before, we showed a video about an autism cinema that we run once a month um, that Ollie, Ollie helps with. Um, and every month, these, these young people, they come and, they, uh, and they, they come and watch this film. And every, every month, I'm, I'm like so undone by the, the fact that these people, these autistic young people really don't care about what other people think of them. They're just so happy to be there. And there was this, there was this incredible moment at the end of one of these meetings. We'd had this disco um, and... Uh, me and Ollie were playing all these like really great like classic tunes, like proper like cheesy wedding songs and all the classics. And at the end of this night, um, all the children, all the young people were kind of like filtering out. They were going home. And there was this one young guy um, and he was there and he was, the, the song New York, New York was playing. Everyone knows that song. And anyway, so this young, this young guy was singing along to this song word for word and he was flailing his arms in the air. He was dancing around. He was spinning. And like, like all the other children, they didn't care what he looked like. They weren't laughing at him. They were just like, wow, that's so cool. And this young guy, word for word, he sung the words of this song and he was just flailing around and he was dancing. And I saw him and the Lord spoke to my heart and he softened my heart. And I started dancing with him. And then we, we did this song and we finished this song on a big knee slide across the floor and we both slid across the floor and we went, Aah! and it was amazing. <laughs> and what the Lord said to my heart was that actually, when you're holy, when you're pure, when you're set apart, 
people will see something in your heart that's different. They will see something that's attractive about it. Because actually, what this, what this young lad was doing, some people might laugh at. Some people might see it's different. But when I saw the heart that was behind it, I only could do the same thing. I felt the need to do what he was doing. I felt the need to join in with it because it was attractive. There was something pure and innocent about it that was like, I need to take note. I need to change the way I'm living. Am I living in fear of what other people think of me? Or am I living in, in, in the knowledge of what the Lord has done and who I am in Christ? So this young boy, this young boy spoke more to me. This young boy spoke more to me about my heart than anyone else has in this last year. I'm not going to lie. And, and I just encourage you this morning, church. There's maybe some of you here that need to take a stand and say that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will tell all, all my friends, I will tell the world, I will tell my unsaved relatives about him and I'm not going to be afraid to do it because actually he who is in me um, is greater than he who is in the world. And some of you need to know that this morning. Some of you feel powerless. Some of you feel weak. And, 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 and maybe, maybe you are ashamed. But I tell you this morning that the Lord wants to use you in a powerful way. And we want to see souls saved, church. We want to see this church full of, of new believers, of new converts saved for the gospel of Jesus. But I tell you, it's got to start in us. It has to start in us. And there has to be that inner passion that's like, I don't care what the world thinks. And I really feel the Lord is affirming you this morning in saying, I'm going to have your back. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you sink. I'm not going to let people's words hold up against you. Oh. I'm going to pray. And, and, and if, if that's you this morning, if you, if, you, if you want to make a stand, if you want to stand up and say, Lord, I'm going to take you to my workplace. I'm going to take you to my community. I'm going to take you to the road that I live in. I'm going to take you to my village. I'm going to take you to my friends. I'm going to take you to my relatives. I want you to stand up and just join me because I'm going to be praying this prayer. And if that's you, I want to stand. I want you to stand right now. And we're just going to pray this prayer. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to do what's right. I'm not afraid to take the stand for the Lord this morning. So if that's you, I want you to stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I just pray for each of my brothers and sisters here in this house this morning. I pray for a spirit that would rise up in them like Daniel had to do the right thing, a, a spirit within them to, to speak up for what they know is right. I pray, Lord, that when the, when the darkness tries to fill their lives, that they would overcome it because, because you are greater in them than, than, than greater is the world. And I, I just pray this morning that you would give people a boldness, that you would give people a courage that would, that would help them to stand up in the face of adversity, that when evil kings and rulers tried to come against them, that they would just show them the love of Jesus Christ. And I really believe, I prophesy in this place this morning, that kings and kingdoms are going to fall in our, in our communities, that kings and kingdoms and principalities are going to fall in our workplaces, because we're prepared to take a stand against what we know is wrong, and, and we're going to take a stand for who we know is right. So I really believe this morning that the Lord is just going to bring about people in your mind. He's just going to bring about souls in your mind that He wants you to start praying for. As I've been praying for these businesses. I just believe that there's going to be people that the Lord wants you to pray for, to petition for their souls every single day. And He's going to reveal you to them in a way that shows the light and the purity in your life. And it's going to be so attractive. Like that young boy spoke to me and his, his just, his just um, willingness just to do that, just, just something that was different. Uh, I really believe that the Lord is going to do that through you, that you're, you're going to look different to those around you, that some people may reject you, but there is going to be some that stand up and say, actually, you're 
your God is doing this. Your God is so much more than, than this alcohol can offer me, that this job can offer me, that my finances can offer me, that power and, and, and dominion can offer me because actually I need something that fills all those holes. And I, I, I don't know where to find it, but they're going to turn up and they're going to stand and they're going to take notice of your God, of the God who is above all other things. So I just thank you, Jesus, that you're commissioning these brothers and sisters this morning for your, for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. There's going to be Souls Church. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you. And you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.